you for listening to the Love Your Bod Pod. Before we dive in, just my usual disclaimer that this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and does not substitute individual professional medical or mental health advice. Welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host, Kara Corinzofelli. I'm a holistic health coach and I help women make peace with food and learn to trust their bodies. I help you and binge eating, and yo-yo dieting, and easing up on emotional eating, and ultimately just like coming to this place where like food is no big deal. And I love doing this work. I'm so grateful for it. And if you're a new listener, like, hey, what's up? Hi, so happy to have you here. If you're a returning listener, like, hey, friend, welcome back. Thank you. Today, we have a really awesome interview with a lady named Tori Doobie. I'm a big fan of Tori's. I've been a fan of her for a while, which you will hear about in the interview. Uh, she's a transformational coach for uh, female entrepreneurs. And she used to have an eating disorder and a lot of body image issues. And it was through her struggles with her eating disorder and through the recovery process that she's really taken all of that pain and struggle and really transformed it into uh, the work that she does in the world. And you get to kind of hear about her evolution, which I think is really just so cool. I think there's a lot of really awesome insights in this episode, and I think you're going to love it. So without further ado, let's just dive right in. Welcome back to the Love Your Bod pod. Today, we have a really special guest with us. Her name is Tori Doobie. She's a certified holistic nutrition specialist, life coach, and hypnotherapist. In action, she's a transformational coach guiding women into new levels of leadership, wealth, and impact. Tori is the host of the An Ex Excellent Example of Being Human podcast, is a children's book author, hosts international wellness retreats, and works with clients around the world. Her approach guides women away from relying on pure logic and instead towards their innately brilliant internal compass. You can learn more about Tori at ToriDoobie.com. And welcome to the show, Tori. Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yes, it's such an, a pleasure to get to talk to you. I, I've been following your work for about two years now, and I had always wanted to like reach out to you, but was like afraid or like shy about it or something. And then one day I was like, "This is dumb, Kara. Go say hi." <laughs> <laughs> Isn't the internet such a strange thing? Like to to have not known you and you knew me from afar for two years—that's like kind of strange, isn't it? Yes. Yes. I'm sure. Does that happen to you kind of often though, since you are so, you, you have such a presence online and on your podcast? Like, does this happen to you? Has this happened to you before? I, I, it's so funny. Like, I mean, you have a huge presence online too, but do you think of that in your head at home? Like, I don't even think of really online. I think of just, I'm Tori working in my little, like my office is literally like four feet by four feet. I'm just like in my little cubicle here at my house, like doing my thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think of that, but I'm so thankful that you reached out because that's the point, right? Yeah. I don't want to talk into a black hole. I want other people to say, Hey, I'm actually here and listening. Let's be friends. Yes. Yes. And you're right. I don't actually think about it, but like every once in a while, someone will be like, yeah, like I heard you on this podcast and like the podcast was recorded like, you know, eight months ago. And I was like, Oh, like, you know, you've been paying it. You've been like, hanging out with me for eight months and I didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> now here you are. It's crazy. Um, okay. So before we dive in, I do a little quick segment called awkward first date questions. 
<laughs> Perfect. And, and this was actually inspired by your jar of lols. So jar of LOLs. <laughs> so the can't get the cats out of the bag. Like I totally was inspired by Tori's little segment on her podcast. And I was like, I need something like that. What can I do? And so that's where awkward first date questions came from. So thank you for that. My pleasure. That's brilliant. Awkward first dates. I can't wait. Yes. And you get to add a question at the end for the next guest. Oh, awesome. Okay. All right. So first one, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? So I always thought that I would be, so when I was really young, I wanted to be a healer and I like would drape. I don't even know how I knew what a healer was, but I wanted to like drape scarves over myself and have people come to me and I would just touch them and they would heal. That evolved into, I wanted to be a baby delivery nurse. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. So you're like, I mean, you're, do you feel like what you're doing is sort of like a natural evolution of that? Yes, definitely. I mean, that like went out the window once I start learning math. Like I was like, oh, I'm definitely not going to make it in the math and sciences I see here. So I think, yeah, I had to form it to my own capacity. <laughs> and yeah, I do feel like a healer. In yeah, no, you definitely are. Are you a center brownie person or an edges brownie person? Definitely edges. Okay. Like even on a pie, just give me the crust. I'm good with that. <laughs> okay. What about with pizza? Definitely a crust. Yeah. Okay. I love texture. Like all my food needs to be, have nice texture to it or I don't want to eat it. Mm, yeah. Texture is super important. That's why some people don't like avocados, which I don't understand, but I've heard the texture argument quite a few mm. times. <laughs> I do love avocados though. Yes. I wonder if I would like them better if they had a crust. Probably. <laughs> because like deep fried avocados from the fair. I mean, they're like, oh the yeah. Yeah. You got, yeah. Okay. Last one. If you could have the answer to any question, what would you ask? If I could have the answer to any question, like to the universe, any question at all. So like some people have been like, I would want to have, I would want to know what Abraham Lincoln was really like. Oh, okay. Or it would be like, what's the meaning of life? Like I've had some existential ones too. So yeah, mine definitely right away would be, I really want to know like where we exist when we're not a human being. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like a little bit sad that when I get to that point, I'll have that knowledge, but Tori, the human will never get that knowledge. And then probably when I'm a human again, I'll, I'll forget it. It's like, I'm never going to actually get to acknowledge that I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great question to ask. I love it. Um, okay. So now you get to add one to the mix. Okay. I'm in a really weird mood today. So let's make this weird. So I'm super into reading. Do you read Reddit ever? N no, I've read Reddit like once or twice. <laughs> you need, you need to Reddit, Reddit. You need to read some Reddit. So, uh, okay. I'm really obsessed with the glitch in the matrix. Okay. You have to go watch it. So I think in my, in a previous life or hopefully in a future life, I'm going to be a quantum physicist. and. Okay. I am going to actually understand the math behind time and all that stuff. But anyway, um, it's about like little glitches where time was lost, time didn't make sense. Like, uh, it's just weird shit. You got to go read it. Anyway. Okay. My question is, what would your alternate universe look like? Right? So yeah, well, they'll have to interpret that as they wish. What would your alternate universe look like? 
I love it. What would your alternate universe look like? I'm actually going to think about that question for myself once we're done here. (laughs) Yeah, I think about it a lot and then I get scared and I get say, I just want it to be this. Please don't change it. Um, okay. One of my favorite quotes is that you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and it has made all the difference in my life. And that's from Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. So can you connect the dots for us? What led you to where you are now doing the incredible work you are doing to help women? Oh, that's one of my favorite quotes too. So many dots have connected in uh, my life. And I'm sure whoever is listening, if you really took the time and like remove the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment, any of these preconceived notions of what it was supposed to be, you'd see that your dots connect perfectly too. My dots. So I started around 11 years old with an eating disorder and this eating disorder followed me through my mid twenties, but in that eating disorder, I needed a physical release for that anxiety I was feeling. Um, and that's how the eating disorder was, was manifested, was born. So, so it was like a coping of, mechanism. Totally. So okay. yes, I felt like an internal anxiety about just growing up, figuring out who I was, figuring out where I fit in my family and my, in my community. It's the same shit we all go through when we move through puberty. And then there was, I blamed it on my body changing. So the first time that I even noticed my body at all was probably around 11 when I looked down and like I had a little boobies growing and (laughs) my friends didn't. And I went, oh my God, this, this is my body. Like I live in this thing. And I suddenly was so conscious of it and so worried that I would be noticed. People would notice my body changing. So worried I would gain weight and people would notice. I was so worried, um, that I wouldn't be a perfect dancer or a perfect basketball player. Those were the sports I was playing at the time. I don't know. It was like I just like went and like landed in my body for the first time and went, oh my God, what is this thing? So <laughs> that anxiety followed me through my mid-20s and uh, ultimately led me to drop out of university. I left college. I had almost a full scholarship for business and halfway through the year, realized it wasn't for me. So second semester started looking at my options. Fast forward, decided to drop out, move to New York City to be a dancer. And I think this anxiety behind the scenes, while I thought it was a detriment, it really was the fuel for me to continue searching for who I was and in ways to relieve that anxiety. Unfortunately, many of those years I relieved it through binging and purging. But there was also this other narrative happening at the same time. I was following what brought me joy in hopes that I could stand more fully in that joy and relieve myself of this anxiety. So I danced professionally. I did TV and film. I modeled. I did stand-up comedy. I did interviews on the red carpet, just seeking, seeking. So in this story of the panic attacks, the anxiety, the eating disorder, I was only seeing that. And so therefore, because I was standing in that shame and that guilt, I only had access to more shame and guilt. So when I was looking at all of the cool things I was doing, I was just seeing, wow, she's failing again. She can't stick with anything. And this continued on. Then I worked for a nonprofit. And then I quit all of that, went to a meditation retreat, was introduced to positive psychology, was introduced to holistic nutrition, and came home and immediately enrolled in a program called Mind Body Transformational Psychology. 
And that's kind of started the trajectory of this health stuff. Looking back, I realized without the eating disorder, there's, I probably would have been comfortable. I probably just would have stayed in business school. I, mm. I probably would have just accepted what I thought I had to do, go to school, get perfect grades, get a great job when I get out of school. And this anxiety was kind of the fuel for my seeking. And to even get even bigger, my feeling of never fitting in in my family was also amazing fuel for me to continue to figure out who I was. Because if that was really comfortable, I could have just hidden the comfort of that too. So my dots, now looking back, like I'm so thankful that I was a stand-up comedian. I'm so thankful that I had writing experience. I'm so thankful I had auditioning experience and speaking in front of a crowd. Like all of these things are so precious in my current work with women and helping them detangle their anxieties and stand in the fullest expression of themselves. And I don't think that I could be as potent of a coach as, as I am now without all of those like little detours that I took, they were exactly what I needed to be who I am now. Yeah. I loved um, what you had said about how like that anxiety while was probably so painful. And I'm thinking about like my own journey. It was so painful, but you're right. Like it was totally fuel. You were like, okay, this doesn't feel right. What's next? Yeah. I wish that well, I don't, I don't wish because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be exactly here now. But I think that something we never learn is that anxiety is just indicative that we've forgotten the power of who we are. We've forgotten the power of when we are aligned mind, body, soul. And the discomfort that we're feeling is that disconnect that we've created. It's not the life around us, right? We're taught if you're uncomfortable, look around and then fix all the shit that's making you uncomfortable, which that's a really exhausting task. And that, that task is never going to be completed if that's how you're looking at your life in the world. And I understand now that anytime I am anxious, it has nothing to do with my surroundings. It just has everything to do with my internal alignment and me forgetting about the power of my soul, my body, and my capacity here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in a way that anxiety is actually an alarm bell of like, Hey, like let's tune inward. Like what's going on? What's underneath exactly. this energy moving throughout my body, right? Like this anxiety is just like a physical sensation in my body that my brain is calling anxiety. So like what is actually going on in this ball of energy in my body? Like what's underneath it? Yeah, exactly. So how do you think that you learned to see it that way. Like to see it as like, I don't need to fix my external surroundings. This is actually a reflection of what's happening internally. Cause I, like, like you said, most people are like, what can I fix on the outside? Right? Like I, Oh, I just need to fix my body and all my problems will go away. Or like, Oh, I just need the perfect boyfriend or the perfect job or. Yeah. And it, it was a really long process. I mean, I think I started reading my first self-help books when I was 20 years old and I could understand logically kind of what they were talking about. And I liked how it felt, mm -hmm. but I didn't understand really in my body what that meant. But because I liked the ideas, I kept reading, I kept reading and I kept studying. And then in the reason why I went to that meditation retreat in 2013 was I was going through a breakup. And I think that all of those self-help books over the years, they kind of were resonating in my noggin and something went off and said, hey, T, here's the moment. This is like what we've been talking about. You're in 
you're at rock bottom right now. You lost the guy, you quit your job, you have no idea who you want to be, what you want to do. You're in New York City, you're broke as fuck. Like this is like what you've been reading about in the books. It's time to do something about it. So instead of my usual crying, starving myself, hiding under my bed, I <laughs> finally had all of that knowledge in my head and went, okay, what do I need? I think I need to go heal someplace. And that's when I went to the meditation retreat. And then at the meditation retreat, it was the first time that in, I really had a conversation with myself and I thought that I was going to be grieving the loss of this relationship. I thought I was going to be grieving the loss of this career path that I thought I was going to be in for the rest of my life. And instead I was really grieving the decades of being unkind to my body. Like the message came through really loud and clear. If you want to be who you want to be, we have to start with taking care of your machinery. You have to be kind to this thing and that you can't move up and beyond that until you master this step. Mm, that's like so potent what you just said. Mm. Struggling with treating ourselves kindly and taking care of what you call our body machine. So I've heard you say like our body machine. And so if you can't resolve the issues that you have and be at peace with your body and start treating it better with food, you're really stuck at the level that you're at. And it's and it's hard to up-level. Yeah. It's, it's such a massive distraction. Think of when you are in the depths of your eating disorder, how much did you think about your body, your next meal, missing the next meal, when you could purge, when you could binge? Like It was 97% of my thought process. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've said this countless times, but like it stole like 10 years of my awareness. Mm-hmm. When did you... Okay. So you realized at this medita- meditation retreat that you were like, okay, I need to get better. Like I yeah. need to start treating myself better. And, and you had gotten to that place where you were like ready. Because I think being ready to recover is crucially important. Like wanting recovery is crucially important because if you don't want it more than you want to keep losing weight, whenever you're every moment to moment, when you're at that crossroads, you're going to go back to choosing eating disorder and weight loss as opposed to choosing recovery. So you were at this point where you were like, okay, I'm choosing recovery. What was crucial in that healing process? Like what really helped you along the way and how long do you feel like it took you to, to be fully recovered with your eating disorder? So I would like to say that I don't feel fully recovered. It's oh. still my flavor of anxiety. So oh. when I, I still use it as the alarm system though. So when I feel that anxiety around my body, oh, I, I need to exercise. You missed a day of exercise. You ate too much. I just know it's my alarm system. So I don't even feed into it now. Now I'm just like, hey friend, you're back. Thank you. You're just telling me about I'm out of alignment. But that process took a while. It's not like once I made the realization that it just was crystal clear. Actually, the next evolution of that was went to the meditation retreat, had this realization, had a teacher at the meditation retreat talking about the power of positive psychology, loved it and just went, okay, that's where I need to go. Came home, enrolled in this program, Mind Body Transformational Psychology, thinking that if I learned how to eat perfectly to fuel my body, I could like trick the system and still have a perfect body, but at least be healthy at the same time. You know what I mean? Mm, yes. That's yes. another form of disordered eating. But it was like I, I climbed the ladder a couple rungs. At least now I was fueling my body. And inherently in that process of finally giving it the food that it needed, I had access to so much more of my intuition, of my feelings, of my bodily sensations. And I had to keep making these choices in the moment right? There's the big macro choice, but then what do we do with that in every moment? I had to keep saying, okay, I'm feeling that anxiety thing. This is my chance 
to create a new habit. This is my chance to move through it. This is my chance to breathe, close my eyes, cry, whatever I need to do, but not do the thing that I've always done if I want a new result. So it was really uncomfortable. I, I honestly was really pissed off the first year of school because they required that I also have, go through hypnotherapy and life coaching. And I felt so fucked up in myself that I just was like, no, I just want to learn the food stuff. Like, I don't want to be of service to anybody else. Like, how could I be a life coach? How could I hypnotize? Like, how could I be of service to anybody else if I'm fucked up? That was the narrative. Mm-hmm. But I just kept moving forward. And by the end of my program, I was like, oh, I see. Because this is not about food. This is about the mind. This is about the subconscious, about our internal self-image. This is about emotion. This is about awareness. You can't do the food stuff without the other stuff. So it just was a progression. And even in my first probably year and a half of practicing, I was still attracting people who wanted just the food stuff and didn't want to do any of the mental stuff. And that was a reflection of me. I still was there. I still wasn't fully convinced. So as I evolved, the type of clients that I had evolved, and it was kind of continually affirming what this really was. This is really about quality of life. This is not about the shape of my body. Yeah. So it's been an evolution. It's been, I mean, I think I, uh, it's been almost four years since I started coaching and I started with don't eat GMOs, uh, track your food. Uh, I was like the super basics of fear-based food science. And I just was scaring the shit out of my clients into getting skinny. <laughs> Whereas now food is just one of the pillars of the work that we use. And it's so much more gentle, so much more intuitive, so much more individual to the person eating the food because there's no guidebook that applies to every single person. No, definitely not. Yeah. Like uh, we've talked about bio-individuality a couple times mm-hmm. on here and it's very true, right? Like it's in, it's unique you said so many good things. One in thing in particular that really stuck out to me was that you were like, as you started feeding your body, as you started taking care of yourself, feeding the, your body, like the foods that it needed and wanted and that like tasted good and satisfied you, you actually started connecting more to all of those body sensations. So you talked about like connecting more to your gut instincts and your intuition. So in a way, becoming an intuitive eater led to you being someone that was like an intuitive liver. Mm-hmm. not liver. I don't know if liver is a word, the right word, but um, it was just like the on the ground level type of healing that needed to take place so that you could connect more to like the, the deeper depths of who you were. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't access the internal voice. I had no idea what they were talking about when they said self-love because I was saying Oh, well, I, yeah, no, I like myself. I do cool things. That's great. But I'm, I, I'll really be proud of myself once I hit my fitness and my body goals. Like that was the narrative. Now I understand self-love to be, it's like when you can look at a picture of yourself when you're in your teens or when you're a kid and you look at them and you kind of get the memories of what was happening around that time. And you just feel so much compassion for that version of yourself right? Like we can look at ourselves when we were awkward in 12 and go, oh my gosh, I remember I used to stress out so much about my ponytail had to be perfect before I went to school. And I remember having a crush on that guy. And then I remember struggling through math. Like we can find the compassion for this previous version of ourselves and love them and, and be so gentle on them because we've been there and we've done that. 
but we can't find that for ourselves in the present. So I, now I liken that experience to looking at an old picture as when I look in the mirror now, I can find so much compassion for who I am now. And it has nothing to do with the shape of my body. It has all to do with the contents of my soul and my integrity and the choices that I make and the way I love people and the capacity of how I love people. So like I said, way in the beginning, it's, I, can, I could conceptualize these concepts, but it wasn't until I started implementing in the little micro moments, finding willingness for this up level in myself, for this healing in myself, like millions of little micro moments that led to an actual up level in my being of understanding what this human experience is really about and letting go of the body image bullshit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, like you said, it's a distraction mm-hmm. for sure. It definitely keeps us like, you know, for those listening who are in the middle of an eating disorder, like again, we have so much compassion for you, mm. but in a lot of ways, like it keeps, as we try to shrink our body, our, our life like shrinks right along with it. Yeah, yeah, that's an amazing analogy and visual. Yeah. Okay. So we went to the same school, which is how I was first introduced to Tori. She was a guest lecturer in one of my holistic nutrition classes. So you used to predominantly focus on holistic nutrition and helping Mm -hmm. people with essentially weight loss, would you say? Yes. Um, I never really started with weight loss. Okay. It was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My first client was a Stanford college student who wanted to clear his acne. Okay. Okay. So that's like totally like taking a therapeutic approach, holistic nutrition for sure. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. Using food as like a therapeutic remedy for acne. Okay. So at the time helping people with like food and nutrition, and you were definitely maybe coming from like maybe an orthorexic side of like, Hey, don't eat GMOs. Like don't Mm -hmm. eat processed foods. Yep. Okay. And that was a reflection of you, which I totally resonate with and understand. Um, but you've started to shift away from that being your sole focus. So I remember in one of your podcast episodes, you were like, I almost never talk about nutrition anymore. And I used to be a nutritionist. Mm -hmm. So like, it sounds like this was a natural evolution from you, you know, teaching holistic nutrition with your clients to doing what you do now. Can you tell us a little bit about that shift and like why it's not your main focus? Yeah. So I started hardcore with the nutrition and I was realizing that my clients could follow through on the directions I gave them. But when I wasn't specifically on top of them, they didn't have the capacity to understand what to eat next. Uh, They didn't have the capacity to overcome the anxiety in between that like paralysis of not knowing what to eat. So I was like, okay, this has nothing to do about food this has everything to do with self-esteem. So it's like I pulled the lens back and I went, okay, this is actually about self-esteem. So we started with self-esteem. And then I realized, wow, most people don't even understand why they have low self-esteem, right? Because we've never been taught that we are an ecosystem. So if there's something toxic in your career, in your job, in your office, it's gonna permeate the ecosystem and eventually start to affect your body image, your your internal self-image of yourself, as with your relationships, as with your um, physical ability, like if there's a toxic part of the ecosystem, it's going to affect everything. So then I pulled the lens back to that and we started with the ecosystem and we would just map out everything and make sure that not only the food be nourishing, but also the books we read, the 
media we consumed, the conversations we had, the company we kept, right? So we found a nourishing ecosystem. Hmm. So then what happened is in just in that simple process of really looking at your life and saying, okay, what is nourishing? I'm going to pour more energy and focus in that. What's toxic? I'm going to crowd that out or just cut it out, right? In that process, people's internal tanks got so full and, and they would feel this overwhelming sense of gratitude and love and give back. And I didn't have anything in place to guide them to how they could overflow into their own lives, into the lives of the people that they love. So it's like I pulled the lens back one more time. And it's what do we do when we've kind of mastered this foundational stuff that's always ebbing and flowing under us, right? It's not like we master it once and then we're we're done. But (laughs) we understand the formula for how to feel really full, how to really believe in ourselves, and then what do we do with it? And so- in pulling the, the lens back, it's now the work that I do is what do we do with this stuff? So all the tiers below, those are still so essential to filling those internal tanks so we can overflow. But uh, my focus is what to do with the overflow and the other pieces are just pillars like in, the, in, the, in that process. So we're definitely still talking about food. There's no way that somebody can not be taking care of their body and then still keep up with the work of creating a business, being a leader, being a lover, being a healer. You got to do the food stuff too, but that's just one chapter in the book now. Right. Right. Okay. So it's not the sole focus. Right. Yeah. So it's just a tool that allows you to really be the fullest expression of yourself. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I do want to talk about this ecosystem that you talk about and speak about. And you say that all of the nouns in our life affect the health and the happiness of the whole. So like, where did this analogy come from? And you kind of already explained like how you help people with this, but can you dive in a little bit more? So ecosystem, we remember from high school biology is a system of living, breathing, moving parts that affect the health and happiness of the whole. So we've been hearing about like, if the bees die, then our plants are going to die and then we're going to die, right? So it's like every tiny little piece of the ecosystem is so essential. And that's the same in our own lives. So our mind, body, soul, that's an ecosystem in itself. Like that has to thrive. And then if we pull the lens back again, our existence in our familial ecosystem or our community or our, our business, like those, all of those pieces have to thrive for that family, that community, that business to thrive. And like we pull the lens back, pull the lens back, but it all starts with ourselves. So if I am not finding integrity with my own mind, body, soul, and I am part of a team at the business, right? I potentially am the toxic piece that's bringing down the whole team's ecosystem. That's what we mean when we say we have to love ourselves to change the world. You have to start here. We want to make sure that we are a nourishing contribution to the ecosystems that we're a part of. So in figuring out your own ecosystem, it's, it's really literal and simple. It's not easy because it means that once you realize what's got to go, it actually has to go. But this has been a really eye-opening process for the people that I've done this work with because they had no idea that bitchy Becky at work was affecting their, their food, right? Mm. So kind of if we build out a visual, there's like a, a circle in the middle that is you. It's you, your health, and your happiness. And then we draw legs off of it like a spider. And at the end of each leg is an area of your ecosystem. So some of the really obvious ones are like physical health, 
mental and emotional health, community, passions, uh, money mindset, whatever makes up your life, your, your reality. And then within each, we can just investigate and say, okay, what are three things that are really nourishing about my physical health? Um, well, I work out five times a week. I do yoga before I go to bed to decompress and make sure I get a good night's sleep. I sleep eight hours a night, right? Those three nourishing things in physical health, those can stay. Those are awesome. In fact, I'm going to just make sure that those are protected because those are so sacred. Those are really helping the health of my physical health. What are three things that are toxic? Well, I know that if I drink coffee, I feel really unrooted and anxious. And I take that anxiety out on people at work. I take it out on my partner, right? So then we, we know, okay, maybe coffee is a bit toxic in this area. The next piece is I binge eat jelly beans at 11 o'clock every night, right? That impedes my sleep sometimes. That gives me a stomach ache the next morning, gives me a headache the next morning. Okay, jelly beans have probably got to go. And the first step is just mapping it out. You don't even need to remove the coffee, the jelly beans, whatever else you've discovered. I just have my clients map it out and then hang it up on the wall. And organically, just because you've built an awareness around it, you're a bit more intentional. When you go to reach for the jelly beans, you go, oh, well, wait, I did write down that this is potentially hurting me here. So I'm going to think twice about eating this whole handful of jelly beans before I go to bed. The next evolution is. Once you found the awareness and you start noticing your patterns, now you make an empowered choice about whether that stimuli, the food, the conversation, the media, whether it's going to actually go in your body or whether you're going to pick something else to get a new result, a new up-leveled result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that that's so powerfully important because I think sometimes we underestimate the power of that, which we kind of let into our ecosystem. Like mm-hmm. I think sometimes we underestimate the power of the media or the people that we work with, or even sometimes some of our friends. And yeah. I could t- absolutely see why just building awareness around that, like just calling it out and like in a way, cleaning it up, being like maybe following these fitness models and these Instagram models on Instagram will be really good for you because every time you look at them, you get stuck in a comparison trap and you feel bad about yourself and you start micromanaging your body. So like, that's probably not a good thing for your healing journey. So let's clean that up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it's a very beautiful analogy. Um, I absolutely love it. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, we have one more question. If you could give your 20-year-old self advice, what would you tell her? I would tell her to keep up the support. Keep really nourishing friends in your life. Continue the self-care. Do not fall in the trap of thinking that doing everything yourself is a victory because it's not. I really lost myself in my 20s because I moved to New York City. I was slowly hardening. And I just cut everybody out. And then around like 27 years old, I looked around and didn't have a friend. And I had to rebuild all of that. And I think that my trajectory would, be, would have been a bit different had I just let people love me and let myself love my people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So keep up the support mm-hmm. and keep nourishing people in your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Relationships are everything. There's, I don't even know where this quote is, but really the qual- your quality of life is defined by the quality of your relationships. And that is absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I totally agree for sure. Relationships are what make, I don't know, like who would we be without our human relationships? Like that's why solitary confinement is a punishment in prison because we're not meant to be alone. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Tori, thank you so much. Um, It's a joy to connect with you. I've looked up for you for so long. So it's happy to like be out in the light talking to you. Where can everyone find you? And can you share with us if you'd like, is there anything you're working on right now that you'd love to share with the listeners? Yes. Kara, first of all, thank you so much for having me. You are such a fabulous podcast host. This was awesome. Yay. You can find me on Instagram at Tori Dubes and my website is ToriDubey.com. And yes, I have this space called the Academy where we are rewiring our subconscious, stepping into new levels of leadership, wealth, and impact. It is my absolute favorite space to be. We have 30 women over there now. And if you are looking to step into the next level of leadership in your life, then come on over and hang out with us. Yes. Yes. You guys have to listen to her podcast. I love her podcast. It's phenomenal. Um, so yes, thank you so much, Tori and everybody listening. Thank you. All right. That's our show. Isn't Tori awesome? I just love her. And I, I hope that if you're, if you're interested or you're curious, you go home and you like create your little ecosystem and you put it up on the wall and you take a look at the different areas of your lives and you see what needs some TLC and maybe adjusting and transforming so that you can really live a life that you love. Uh, If you loved this podcast, please, pretty please go leave a ratings on iTunes, ratings and review. That really helps this podcast reach more people. Share it on Instagram. You can find me at Kara's Kitchen and that's Kara with a C. Uh, You can come hang out with me on my website, karaskitchen.net. There is a free video training series, Make Peace with Food, available on my website. So if you're curious about how to start making peace with food and healing your relationship with food, go ahead and download that. It's free. You get the videos sent directly to your inbox. You can do that at karaskitchen.net. And that's it for our show this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see y'all next week. Bye.